long ago in a galaxy far, far away, there exists a state of cosmic civil war. A brave alliance of underground freedom fighters has challenged the tyranny and oppression of the awesome Galactic Empire. This is their story. Lucasfilm presents Star Wars, the greatest space fantasy of all. The Comic Book Time Machine presents Marvel's Cosmic Comics, exploring Marvel's licensed sci-fi and fantasy during the Star Wars period. Episode 64, Doom World, Star Wars number 12, cover date June 1978. Hello, time travelers. It's me, Ben, Ben Avery, and I am here to travel back in time with you to look at some, well, old science fiction comics. And when I say old, I mean they're not too much younger than I am. And so I guess I'm calling myself old, too. We're looking back to 1978, the books that we'll be covering in this next round of episodes uh, will all be from... March of 1978. They're all released onto the stands in March of 1978. They all have a cover date of June 1978. The books we'll be covering in this round are Star Wars number 12, Godzilla number 11, Man from Atlantis number 5, uh, John Carter, Warlord of Mars number 13, The Human Fly number 10, and, of course, we'll take a look then at the uh, the third issue of Machine Man and Devil Dinosaur when we get into the Ben's Bullpen Bulletin segment of, of this coverage. And we have one more book, uh, magazine, really, that does not have a cover date of June 1978. Actually, it has a uh, cover date of just, well, actually, there's no date on the cover, but it was released in 1978, and that is Marvel Super Special number three. And this is one I've been really looking forward to getting to. It'll be uh, it'll be right before I do the John Carter one. So it's, it's still a few segments away. And if you're listening to this as the released um, segment si- by segment, uh, you're gonna have to wait to get to it. But uh, yeah, Marvel Super Special number three, Close Encounters of the Third Kind. It is full-color adaptation, magazine size, and I'm not going to get into it too much other than to say Archie Goodwin was involved in it, and Walt Simonson and Klaus Janssen both involved with it as well. There's actually a pretty powerful team on on that book, and yeah, again, I, I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm not reading it yet. I'm I'm going in order. I'm starting with Star Wars. I'm ending with John Carter and the weird off, you know, issues. They end up before John Carter sometimes. Sometimes I've done that after. But I've just learned that if I want to have a good experience, I need to start with Star Wars and with John Carter. I'm almost guaranteed that I'm going to love the beginning and the end 
what happens in the middle happens in the middle and I may not love it, but I'm enjoying it. I, I, I'm enjoying everything I've been reading in. And so I'm, I'm excited to, to read the adaptation of Close Encounters of the Third Kind. That's a movie that I really, really like. But um, we also, in that Ben's Bullpen Bulletin episode with the Devil Dinosaur Machine Man, I'll talk about the ads and the letters pages and, and the different uh, editorial copy that goes into each of these comics. But right now, yeah, we're in Star Wars. And I guess we should just go ahead and, and jump into it. Uh, we are finally getting into... Well, we're finally getting the story of <laughs> the character that I really identified the most with in Star Wars in the first place. So let's go ahead. I'll play the sounder, and then we will jump right into the first segment of this month, and that will be Star Wars issue number 12. Star Wars issue number 12 hit the stands on uh, May May 14th, nineteen. 19- 78 and like i said before the the cover date is june of 1978 and this issue picks up right where we left off with the last issue um and where we last left our team luke was trapped on a water world with sea monsters and water the reason he's there in the first place is he was scouting for a new rebel base and uh yeah he he's now just trapped on this planet Meanwhile, uh, Han Solo, Princess Leia, Chewbacca are trapped on a pirate ship. They were looking for Luke, but uh, Princess Leia was kidnapped by the pirates. Han Solo and Chewie were taken by the pirates so that they could uh, take take more of the, the rebel treasure that Han Solo had from before. Uh, so this issue, while well, we finally see what Luke was up to since issue number seven, and I say what he was up to because basically before the cliffhanger from last issue, it seemed like he was just waiting, marooned, his ship was sinking in the water. Not not a great situation to be in. And now, uh, well, <laughs> out of the frying pan, as they say, uh, the ship is actually being pushed away by those sea monsters and a dragon lord, at least that's what he's called by some pirates who come by not in boats but in in skiffs and in uh basically water speeders uh similar to luke's land speeder he actually calls that out himself that's you know skim over uh, actually not skiffs they're called skimmers they skimmed over the water and luke c-3po r2d2 they are taken prisoner by these sea pirates and they are taken to a pirate village this pirate village is a huge wooden pirate ship that is so enormous that the uh, the mast and the uh, what, the sails hang from the, the spars, I think. The mast and the, the, the spars, or whatever it is that you call the things that the sails hang on. There's no sails. There's actually like little homes on these spars and, and on the deck. It's, it's enormous, but it's made out of wood, and I'll talk about it later. Um, the leader of this pirate village, and maybe they aren't pirates, they might just be scavengers just you know, trying to eke out a life, an existence. Uh, he's a not-so-nice guy named Quarg, who he values metal over humanity. And that's actually why they brought R2-D2 and C-3PO in the first place, and then Luke along with them, because Luke threatened them with his lightsaber if they didn't bring him along with them, was because they lost some skimmers to one of those water dragons. And 
this was to make up for that. And so they brought in R2-D2 and C-3PO. And Luke, he has told them that there's reason for them not to dismantle R2-D2 and C-3PO. And Quark is willing to listen, but it had better be good. And so that's our cliffhanger for Luke Skywalker is can he talk himself out of this one? And he's you know wishing that he had uh, Han Solo's uh, gift of gab is what he says. Meanwhile, uh, we don't really see Princess Leia at all in this uh, issue. We only have a brief, uh, brief time with Chewbacca, and that's just with the pirates on on this Star Destroyer. But uh, Han Solo is giving the coordinates to Luke's planet as the place that is housing the Rebel treasure, and the pirate Crimson Jack wants that treasure. Meanwhile, Jolly, the uh, female crew member, has been she's been aroused by feelings of love and kissing or something. And she's causing all sorts of trouble in the galley. She mentioned kissing to one of the guys and the guy wanted to take her up on that, but she then was not willing to be party to that. And so she actually just flips things over in the galley, just goes crazy, I guess. And then smacks Han Solo for putting these thoughts in her head from kissing Princess Leia. And then they arrive and they say, wait a minute, this is a water world. How is there some sort of rebel treasure on this water world? It's a water world. And Han Solo says, I, yeah, I can explain everything as soon as you bring Princess Leia up here. And then he's thinking, boy, I wish I had my own gift of gab kind of thing. And that's our cliffhanger is we have these two people in these situations where they have to talk themselves out of the situation. And how are they going to do it? Will they be able to do it? We'll find out next issue. And, you know, as I look at the story... There's a lot of elements that I really, really like for this story. The water world, for one. Um, I'm a fan of Aquaman, but not because I'm a fan of water settings. I'm a fan of what you can do with water settings. And Aquaman is a situation where you have him, the king of Atlantis, but he's a superhero above ground. He can talk to the fish, all these different things that they do with that water setting. I actually even like the movie Waterworld. Now, the movie Waterworld, this this comic reminds me of that. You have this group of people who have, it seems like they have lived on this ship. It's, it doesn't see, it doesn't feel like they're stranded there. This isn't like Gilligan's Island where they've been stranded on this planet. And you know, someone comes along like Luke and they have to deal with who's this new guy coming along on, on our Island or on our planet. Instead, it feels like they've developed a culture surviving on the water like this. Now, I don't know what the background of the culture is here. I don't know anything really about the background of these these people. Are they people who generations ago were stranded there? Are they survivors of a lost continent like Atlantis or something like that? There's, there's, It hasn't been revealed yet. Uh, and I'm, I'm almost afraid that my imagination is taking this to places that are uh, going to end up being more exciting to me than the actual answers. But, you know... You can't help that from happening. If you have a story that engages you and makes you curious and want to know what's going to happen next, want to know what happened in the past, a good story will do that. A great story will take it to places that will either surpass your imagination or at least meet with your imagination. We'll see what happens What happens here. But for the time being, uh, there's these little hints and clues, you know, like the, the clothing that they're wearing look like naval clothing. Uh, he looks the, the the mayor guy Quarg. He he looks like he's wearing clothes that would be like a naval commander. 
in an old time uh, navy, uh, like a, a British navy in you know, the eighteen hundreds or something like that. And so it makes me wonder, well, why why is that like that? Why how are they on this huge, enormous wooden ship that it just looks like they built onto it and built you know into this thing that it was never intended to be but that reminds me of Waterworld especially where you have like uh the Waterworld that village where the one tribe of people live where they have the bartering and stuff like that that <clears throat> was actually like a set that was built in there was no CGI it was all a set and there's some impressive things about Waterworld, you know. There's some impressive things about Waterworld, not just how monumentally um, disappointing the ending was. But then you also have Anthony Hopkins, not Anthony Hopkins. Um, oh, Dennis Hopper. <laughs> you have him and his crew that are living on the oil tanker, and they've they've got a culture that has grown up and survived on this this oil tanker and. This they kind of remind me of Dennis Hopper and his crew from from Waterworld. Of course, this came first, but anyway, with the pirate village and the there's also references to legends of robots and the Jedi. They know about Jedi. They they know that the Jedi were these warrior priests or wizards. And the one thing that's happened here, though, is that the concept is a little more interesting than the characters. The characters on this pirate village, they're defined by either being Quarg or being afraid of Quarg. There isn't any other, you know, definition of character here at all. And so it ends with Luke, you know, having to, to talk his way out of things and we'll see what happens in the next issue. Then the other thing that's here is that you have a, this idea of this dragon Lord. And that's a, the guy there's, there's two sea monsters that appeared in the last issue. And one of the sea monsters had a rider. Well, they refer to him as a dragon Lord. And it seems like he is in control of the dragon thing that he's riding. But then it also seems like he's able to take control of the other one. And they actually then uh, are what fights against the the pirates on their skimmers. Then you have this... I find it to be a really cool concept of this pirate star destroyer. Now, I don't know how long they would be able to survive unnoticed with this star destroyer. But apparently they captured it after the first major rebellion victory. The star destroyer was weakened and its crew was... It, it was a, a skeleton crew, and so they were able to take it over very easily. I just find that to be a really, really neat concept of this Star Destroyer going around the galaxy, capturing people. And the idea of some of the stories that you could do with a ship of that size and small pockets of crew, honestly, there's some cool ideas that you could do with that with like a generation ship. Uh, Star Destroyer, I think, would be big enough that you could actually have some generations of people surviving on on a ship like that. So anyway, this is another situation where uh, there's some interesting concepts. Now, it's not mind-blowing concepts. It's not the kind of thing that create, you know, oh, this is going to be the best sci-fi concept ever. You know, it's not like that, but it's interesting, and I'm enjoying myself. Now, with the story, our credits are pretty much the same 
if not exactly the same as the previous issue. This is our new team. This is Archie Goodwin as the writer and editor. You have Carmine Infantino and Terry Austin as the artists, John Costanza as a letterer, and Janice Cohen as colorist, and Jim Shooter as the consulting editor, which is nice to have a consulting editor and not just a, a writer editor. Uh, this is this will be it'll be good here, I think. Uh, the story. I like the dual nature of the story. I like that both of the storylines that we have going on side by side end with a very similar cliffhanger. In fact, the one I already kind of alluded to this, but the one cliffhanger with Luke is he's he has a thought cloud and he's thinking, uh, I wish I had Han's gift of gab. And then you have Han who is put in a situation where his gift of gab would come in handy. And he's worried that he's going to be able to get out of this situation. Uh, I like that. I like those elements. And I like the idea of, you know, dropping Luke on a water world, although that was, um, maybe how far back did that go? Did we, I think that this issue might've been the first that we knew of him being on a water world. Yeah. We just knew that he had disappeared. We didn't know what kind of world he was on as I'm flipping back here. But anyway, uh, that's, that's kind of cool because, you know, he has only known life on Tatooine where they had to, you know, farm the moisture from the air. The art, on the other hand, uh, Carmine Infantino, I like it, but it's weird because it's so angular and such a, it's a caricature. You know, he's not drawing lifelike uh, likenesses of our characters. He's drawing these kind of caricatures of the character. And that's probably in a situation like this, it might be the best way to go uh, because that way if you aren't on model for some panels but are on other panels that's just as jarring but then if you're never on model that's I hate it when I'm reading a comic and it never ever looks like the the characters although I think we're going to be getting into a situation like that with the Marvel Super Special but when they're allowed to have the characters look like the actors and they just can't because honestly, I think partially because they spend so much on the license that they can't afford uh, to, to get a super strong artist on it. And anyway, uh, this is the way to go, you know, stylize it. It's just, it takes a little getting used to. Um, and I, I'm getting used to it. I am. I, I feel like, you know, my, my first comic book that I remember was a Carmine Infantino Star Wars. And so it's not completely foreign to me. It just, it's very strange, especially coming off of the, the modern Marvel comics that are very much, well, you know, a lifelike likeness. So all things considered, though, I really enjoyed this issue. Strong start to June 1978. And next, we're going to be talking about, uh, uh, let's go with Godzilla. Godzilla number 11. Thanks for listening to the Comic Book Time Machine's Marvel's Cosmic Comics feed. You can find more discussion of many, many more comics like Superman and Spider-Man, what Ifs and Elseworlds, The Six Million Dollar Man and Batman, comics seven days old and seven decades old, on our main feed, which you can find on iTunes or at comicbooktimemachine.com. We'd also love it if you join us on Facebook at facebook.com or on Twitter, where we are at Comic Time.
Next episode, Godzilla number 11, Arena 4-3.